0: I was pretty much the only one in my high school who was navigating, or at least attempting to navigate, through the dense layers of underground pop culture pre-internet. It was a frustrating game of pin the tail on the donkey, groping in the dark, sending out messages in bottles and praying for an answer back, while the rest of my classmates talked about last night's hockey game or what they got on their calculus tests. The search for the underground was a tough slog back then, but I was not deterred. I knew there were kindred spirits out there. It was simply going to take a bit of time to find them. Through underground music, the easiest route to the culture, I discovered the bands, the labels, the zines, the movies, the players, the characters, the books. But once I went to film school and hung out at the college radio station on campus, I eventually met like-minded people who set me on the right path. And there I have remained ever since. I've always thought of my post-secondary time as going to two schools simultaneously. During the day, I'd attend my film classes and gen ed requisite courses and afterward immerse myself in the underground with all things odd, bizarre, offbeat, and avant-garde that I could find. Back then, it was a mishmash of whatever happened to pass over my transom. Church of the Subgenius, Nick Zed Films, Sonic Youth Records, Source Magazine, Answer Me, Frank Kozik Artwork, Chester Brown Comics, Maximum Rock and Roll, and L7 nationally throughout canada there was a great monthly newsprint source called exclaim magazine which is still thriving to this day of course it had the usual fare of band interviews stories and album reviews but it also shed light on different aspects of the underground monthly columns by bruce LeBruce and fiona smith's cheese page of artwork made huge impressions on me When I think of this very impressionable time of my life, I immediately think of Fiona Smith's very distinct artwork. It almost drapes and brands my entire memory of that period. Describing it here on the podcast intro would be ridiculous. Instead, I encourage people to get her brand new grand book called Somnambulance, a comprehensive collection of her artwork from 1985 to 2017, released on Koyama Press, this year. I met Fiona years and years, and dare I say years ago, via her long-standing partner, Classy Craig Daniels of The Leather Uppers. The Leather Uppers, arguably Canada's greatest garage rock band of all time, were the first band I ever saw put out their own record called Pantsuit Party back in 1992. And then, through Craig, I met Fiona who I later realized was the illustrator for the cheese page in Exclaim. They were two of the people that I was meeting back then who were very actively involved in this underground world I had so desperately been seeking out. When I was putting together my book, I've Got Something to Say, I was talking to illustrator Gary Texali, and Fiona's name came up, and instantly, it was a no-brainer to have her involved. That is if she was interested. And thankfully she was. She ended up doing a comic strip about the time I met Lydia Chris, and her pages color my book wonderfully. I'm so happy and honored to have Fiona Smith be a part of my book. So here is my talk with Fiona. Afterward, this episode continues on with Juan Montoya, who also has an illustration in my book. Thanks to Blue Mic Microphones and Skullcandy Headphones, this podcast can be heard on iTunes and SoundCloud, and now, Spotify. Very exciting. Fiona Smith is my guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best outround. Nick Blanigan is Danko's go op tell them for free, I'm so glad i like to song in from fuck to stop playing and hey, to
1: for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast. We hope you will enjoy the show. The Danko Jones Podcast. Sit back and let the evening go. The Danko Jones Podcast. It's wonderful to be here. It's certainly a thrill. You're such a lovely audience. We'd like to take you home with us. We'd like to take you home.
2: I know that disco and rock and roll aren't supposed to mix,
1: and we all know how great a rock guitarist Danko is, but when I accompanied him one night to a disco nightclub, I watched in awe as Danko tore up
2: the dance floor. He was like Danny Terrio, John Travolta, and Adrian Zemed all rolled into one. When he was finished dancing, the music stopped and everyone applauded. The two of us immediately left the club and ended up in a blues bar where I watched Danko jam on CCR and Chuck Berry covers till dawn. It was amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts Hello
0: Fiona? How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? It's good. I'm doing good. It's, um, it's actually good that we're doing Skype, uh, even though we're in the same city, because it is it is terrible out, raining like cats and dogs. Yeah. What I wanted to do was uh, incorporate uh, the book's release through my podcast by featuring a lot of the contributors, the illustrators um, on the, on the, the podcast. Asking everybody to help me with this book um, was a very personal, you know, personal thing for me. Like every illustrator, there needed to be some sort of personal connection I had with each illustrator um, in order for me to like feel that uh, your interpretation of my story can be accepted and embraced by me in my head because there is some sort of connection. So... Initially, I wanted it to just be uh, people in bands who, you know, draw or illustrate. You know, invite them and have this just be like bands. And then, a there wasn't enough people who did <laughs> who play music yeah. who do it. And then I thought, you know, well, there's you know there's other illustrators out there who may not be in a band but definitely have a connection with music, rock and roll music, w- or even directly. You know our band, so I, you know, reached out to you. Now, I got your contact, I believe, through Gary Texali. Yeah. Um, and I remember Damien Abraham uh, suggesting your name as well. And then when I rem- when when your name got thrown around, I was like, oh my god, of course, Fiona. You've been there since before I was in a band. Um, <laughs> y- you know, like you, you, um, I don't know how, how many people know, or, or if you want this, um, publicized, but you, your partner is, is Craig Daniels, who oh, yeah. I, I credit for being, you know, one of the people who, you know, in, gave me a initial inspiration to do our band, you know, uh, 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 the Leather Upper is a garage two-piece punk band, um, were a phenomenal thing to watch in the early nineties, watching Craig smash a guitar being the first of three at the back room of a Rivoli. I mean you're not playing the Tonight <laughs> show and this guy's smashing a guitar when you're only given like twenty minutes to play blew me away um and so you you know I would always see you, and then I made the connection with your uh, strip in Exclaim Magazine. I was like, oh, she's the one who does this. And so I put all the pieces kind of together. And so you are definitely connected to me uh, being in the scene and being in Toronto. Your uh, visual, your your illustrations for me, like mark a time for myself with music. There's a direct connection with your illustrations and music for me because it was an exclaim a music magazine and i would always see you at shows because it was through craig so so there is a big a big reason and plus of course your 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 artwork is phenomenal and to have you part of this is uh is great is a great honor so thank you for being part of this
1: well thank you for for asking me um it was a total pleasure and uh when you first sent the the um, choices. I was yeah, looking yeah. for the for the ladies in the stories, and then the the story about Bath and about Lydia just struck a chord because of what you just said, like the and what you say in in the piece about the folks on the sidelines that are there the whole time mm-hmm. uh, yeah. are keeping keeping the story as well.
0: The supporting characters become. Um, I think for me as a as a uber fan of of things supporting characters become this take the spotlight after a while yeah and I guess in a way coming from the angle of like you know rock and roll being a, a a guy who's you know trying to be in a rock band myself and then watching Craig do it and and you guys were always connected and and it was always like you know, the 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 style that Leather Uppers incorporated and your style, it all kind of melded together. There was a very, um, you know, of course, I don't need to tell you this, but there is some sort of synchronicity between the two of you. Um, it, it was really cool. And, and I was coming from, you know, the suburbs at the time and straight out of high school. I was meeting all these like wild, wacky people. <laughs> <Yeah>. You guys.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, yeah, just I mean, it's very personal to have you part of it yeah. so
1: how old would, how old would you have been the first time I saw you play?
0: What did you like first see me I, I what do you remember I, what kind of I, entity I,
1: I, I can't even recall i I had to quiz Craig, yeah, like um I remember the first time a I teenager, right
0: yeah i the first time I met you or I don't even know if we met. You were just standing beside Craig, and I was standing beside my friend Paul, who was in the Violent Brothers. And it—I yeah. don't know if you remember, but it was Craig and Paul who, for some reason, were in the same class at U of T, the University of Toronto.
1: No, I to- I totally forgot about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so Paul would tell me he he met this guy in his class at U of T. So we had just come out of high school. And, you know, now we're like going to school, we're going to university and we're meeting all kinds of other people. But I was at York and he was at U of T. So he told me he met this guy, Craig, and he plays rock music. And so automatically, like some guy's in a band and he plays in clubs, like tell me more. And so he would tell me like all these and this guy's like really like he's into this wild stuff and it's really interesting. And then finally we were at, do you remember Under the Drake?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's
0: the Drake is still around, but when it was a real like underground nightclub, a rock club, um, that's where I first met Craig, and you were there. Yeah. And it uh, was—I think it was like either a Killdozer show or a Grim Skunk show, or or some kind of crazy, wacky '90s band show, you know? Yeah. And so. uh, then I kind of put two and two together with you and, and exclaim and there's exclaim was new and rotate. This was new and the leather uppers just put out their seven inch and, and we couldn't believe that there's a band, a local band that put out like a real record and <laughs> it was nuts. And then the guy is hooked up with this other guy and they kind of have the same name and they dressed exactly alike. And it was crazy. Uh it was an explosion in a way. Like that, the first few years my mind was blown in many ways. And yeah. and so yeah, you're definitely connected with with that. So um to have you part of this, you know, it definitely means a lot. And 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 your artwork is always always followed it and and I I love your artwork. I mean, it's I wouldn't have asked if you know, if if it was a big so-so.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, thank you. I love your music
0: thank you very much um so yeah getting back to obviously the book and the the thing um asking you to do this was much like i took a cue from uh obviously harvey picar and and american splendor yeah
1: um
0: and you're this wasn't your first time interpreting someone else's story visually obviously um you've done this before yeah um most notably, um, you did two, uh, graphic, uh, graphic novels. Am I
1: right? I did. I did one. That's my own work. That's for, um, like eight to 10 year olds called, called, uh, the never Wars. Yes. Yes. And that had, you wrote that pre- story.
0: You wrote that story.
1: Yeah. But I, I work with, um, Corey Silverberg, who's a sex educator and writer, um, on these kids books. Uh, There's two out right now, um, one for really young kids called What Makes a Baby and one for slightly older kids that's called Sex is a Funny Word. And we're starting work on a third book in the series for like prepubescent kids. Oh, that's cool.
0: Um, Now, how like how long are these like graphic novels
1: Uh, well, I wouldn't even, well, the, the, the Neverwars was like 250 pages. Okay. Um, and then the, you know, the kid's storybook is like 34 and the sex is a funny word is about 160 and the next book will probably be closer to, I don't know, 250 or 300.
0: The, The reason why I ask is because just the process itself. So, um, when you're given the story, because um, I gave you like, I think it was like an eight eight hundred to one thousand word kind of story, and right. you, you turn that into like three pages of comic panel. How how do you do that? Like, is it a how how does that work? Because uh, you know I was just giving people you know eight hundred to twelve hundred word essays, but right. so it never was a book. But how does that work?
1: Uh, it was just finding finding the visuals in it and the beats in it to mm-hmm. where it could be um, shortened into panels, but also keeping in mind not having too many words per panel because there's a comfort level of, you know, what people want to read and what what's comics, right? If it's all text, then it's getting away from just being comics. Right. Um, and I... So- yeah. So there was there was a definite uh, beat to the 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 piece that I chose, and great visuals, obviously, to to choose from
0: you're, and to
1: create for it.
0: You're talking about the uh, the 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 piece that you did in the book about about Be- uh, Lydia Chris.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you chose that, I was very very uh, excited to see how you would how you would depict that story. I mean, knowing your visuals and just, you know, how, uh, yeah, just knowing how, uh, and kiss is very, you know, very adaptable to, you know, being, well, they've been, they've had their own comic book.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, that was a very, that was a true story about meeting Lydia and everything about it was true. And, and um, it's kind of cool that you were the one who, who um, ended up interpreting it. And I said this to Valiant himself from Valiant Thor about his piece. He did um, a comic panel for this story I wrote about meeting Johnny Cash. And now when I think of that story, and the same goes with Lydia Chris, I have your illustrations in my head alongside the actual memory of it (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) kind of weird but it's true yeah um just because it's now it's just so intertwined with the story um and that's another thing is you know having it posted all previously i just didn't feel comfortable like selling something to to people that they might have already seen or could uh retrieve online fairly easily so it was just great to have other people interpret it and and have trust in making sure that they would do like a great job of it. So, yeah, it was cool, very cool. And and did you am I wrong, but did you do stuff with uh Dennis Eichhorn before for real stuff?
1: Yeah, I did. Uh and and related to that, there's going to be um a collection of my comics coming out at TCAF, the Toronto Comics Art Fest in May. Um, through Koyama Press, and it's it includes that story.
0: Oh, wild. So yeah. does he do those series? Like I know he had multiple ones, but does he do any of that anymore?
1: No, he passed away a few oh. years ago. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. Yeah. See, that I didn't know. I had his comics in the 90s, and uh, they're, they're interesting. Obviously, a, a nod from Harvey Picar. But then yeah. he he veered off and he did this real smut series, which was interesting. <laughs> it was yeah. quite interesting. Um, so I always thought, wow, this is a like an odd dude. So how was yeah. it? How was it? Was it? Because I'm very curious. I was, you know, ver- like basically groping in the dark doing this project. I, I had nothing to to base it on. I was just going by feeling. But was it a similar process when dealing with people like Dennis Eichhorn and and how you did what you did for, for my book?
1: Uh, I think it's good that you're just sort of not like you didn't come with any specific ideas of what you wanted, which gives me, the cartoonist, a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was similar with. With Dennis, I mean, I can't re- remember the specifics. It's so long ago, but mm. um, there was a lot of a lot of freedom with it. There wasn't. Um, I, I can't remember if there was anything that he asked for in particular, but I mean, comics are a funny thing because they relate to to expressing memory so well because they work like memory um, in how they're fragmented. And it's words and pictures connected. It's not like one of the other, um, and so like to interpret somebody else's memory is it's an odd thing. It's like I'm making a new memory of your memory.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the uh, the only I figured you know when I asked everybody to participate, my asking meant that I, you know, I trusted everybody. So. If I was to come in and start telling you, like, oh, you have to make, like, you know, this, you know, this part of the story has to be like this, then, like, asking you and you as, you know, Fiona Smith would be pointless. I mean, it would defeat the purpose of asking you. So my hands-off approach, just as long as the the story is conveyed somehow, was all I asked. But uh, anything more than that, I think I would have been shooting myself in the foot in you know, a in a way so but that's how I am also with like music i mean if we if we work with a producer only to end up you know uh butting heads in the studio well then why did we choose him to you know help us through this we we should have done it ourselves or done it with somebody mm-hmm. else so that's how i feel about like were uh you know, going through the artistic process with uh, side by side with somebody else. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely was hands off with with everybody. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose y- you've had experiences where people are the opposite.
1: Yeah, more more in commercial work, like um, more in. Like editorial illustration or stuff that was for actual advertising.
0: Ah, uh, um, I see.
1: Yeah, like that doesn't look like a tic tac. Can you draw that again? <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, <laughs> um,
0: right, I got gotcha. you. Right. Yeah,
1: and and the thing with the the books with with Corey. Um, there's there's so many versions. There's so much research that goes into them. Like he has to take them to to read them to kids and to families and to doctors and to therapists. And so there's there's at least four versions before it even becomes the the final book. Um, but but that's different because that's uh, the the end goal is is worth it.
0: Yeah, would it be like more like adhering to kind of uh, community standards in a way, because you're appealing to kids.
1: Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's got to it's gotta be right.
0: R- um, yeah, right, right. And they're educational, too. Yes, yeah. 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 So what inspired you to do the Never Worse?
1: Uh, oh, so many things. Blade Runner, um, this book about um, folks living in the subway tunnels of New York called Mole People. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sci-fi I grew up with, or and read Isaac Asimov, Ben Bova, um, comics like by Mobius, um, you name it. But
0: why now? Because I, I had I was familiar with your work, like I said in the beginning, from the early '90s with Exclaim magazine. What got you to this stage? Was it Was it you just going? Okay, I'll do it, or you put it off, or you were intimidated by the, the medium?
1: Um well, I guess I, I did a short run comic in the early nineties called Nocturnal Emissions and then through mm-hmm. Vortex comics. But then that that had four issues, and those will be in this collection coming out at TCAF. Mm-hmm. Um but but then I was like following my art career and I was doing comics a little bit along along the way, but more focused on painting and then uh, still doing some illustration jobs. And then uh, uh, this creative director at Annick Press approached me and said, have you ever thought about doing a graphic novel? So I and that was like in 2011. And I would say right around then or just before then, people were very excited about graphic novels. And also, when you think about the publishing industry was was lagging, right? It was like dying. And so comics and graphic novels were an exciting new thing or not, you know, it's not a new thing, but to them as something that could save, save them.
0: Oh, wow. okay.
1: So, so I was asked if I had any ideas and I said, I have three. And then, uh, they said they were interested in, t- they liked two of the ideas. So I went away and I kind of made one story out of all three ideas.
0: Uh-huh. Aha. Um, I went- and and and, um now that that it's been a few years uh is there interest or a desire to do it all over again
1: yes yeah so i'm working on on one but it's kind of in the sidelines because of you know the third book with Corey and and um an art project i'm trying to finish that's an animated short um but yeah, there's there's a new graphic novel. It'll be sci-fi too, and it, but it'll be for adults, and about this post-apocalyptic world, people by these different tribes of women or non-binary gendered folks, and they're they're battling each other, and the planet is being destroyed by these asteroids, and there's viral stuff happening, and yeah. So yep. maybe in the next few years that'll come out.
0: Wow. Okay. That's yeah. a, that sounds like quite a story, quite a saga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like you do have a lot on your plate currently. So um, I'm just glad to have been able to to get you to do this.
1: Me too. And it's it's so great to, to do something and then you don't think about it for a while and then it's like, oh, yeah, that thing, yay, it's coming out. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. You know, I, I, I learned very quickly that in the book world – it is way slower than the music world in terms of yeah. putting stuff out. And, uh, you know, when Farrell House said, you know, we're going to put this book out. I was like, oh, great. So this will be in time for, you know, you know, whatever the timeline was. at the... And they said, no, this is going to come out in spring of 2018. <laughs> and yeah. I was I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you, you, you bang out a couple of tunes. You know, make sure the, the levels are right and then start, start posting away, start, start giving them out, you know, like, but no, <laughs> it's not like that in the book yeah. world. It's uh patience is definitely needed. Um, but when it comes out, it's, it's very satisfying as you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, one last thing I wanted to ask is the only thing I've ever seen you do for the leather uppers is the uh, Groningen live show at Vera did you do anything else for the leather uppers like maybe besides like the the uh, like a flyer or something i don't remember you doing oh,
1: something yeah. yeah and i did um some t-shirt designs too there's one with like a top hat and a and a magic wand with a glove okay like a, a magician sort of <laughs> setup Oh, I, I
0: think I remember that seven inch too. It was for the white seven inch.
1: Maybe. Yeah. I okay. Can't. Yeah. I'm I'm the worst person to ask music stuff of. I, I wrote down crib notes to talk to you cause I was a nervous wreck. I was like, what if he's going to ask me what, you know, about whatever. Right. If you ask me about comics, sure. But music. Eh.
0: Your artwork hasn't really graced a, a leather uppers cover. If I'm, if I'm correct, oh,
1: there was, uh, until uh, the
0: Gronigan, oh. uh, the Groningen live at Vera Club,
1: right, right, yeah. You know what? I think that was the only time. But I've done, I've done cover stuff for Craig, for other band bands that he's been in along the way.
0: Oh, uh, okay, okay, yeah. Well, Craig, he's been in the Stinkies. He's been in, um, God, everything's. I'm drawing a blank, but there's easily like four other bands I've seen him in four other incarnations of the Craig, Craig Daniel's experience. Um yeah. and all of it I'm v- always very interested to see Craig's take on rock and roll. Um yeah. and as a frontman fantastic. Like fantastic. We me and Paul would go see you the Leather, the leather Uppers, you know, and the sometimes no reflection on their popularity. It would just be a bum night. There'd be like 10 people in the crowd and they're just yeah. playing in front of 10,000 people. And that was, a, that was very, it was like, you know, going to school, watching those two guys. Um, yeah. so it was inc- incredible, I I think I saw who used to stay. They, they did changes by black Sabbath once in front of like five people at Lee's palace one night. <laughs> and Paul and I were, we were in hysterics. We couldn't believe it. It's fantastic. It was just a fantastic thing. So that—that's how my connection to you is. I can. I have to say, it's through Craig first and foremost. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's yeah, right.
1: yeah sorry. the two of you and Kiss. It's like it's a perfect circle. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say circle because that sounds like something else. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, but that. Was, that- Fado, for sure.
0: Well, I mean, it's so obvious because, like, you know, when Paul and I saw the Leather Uppers and we we wanted to do our own thing. So I I credit the Leather Uppers, Flat Duo Jets, and the Bassholes for inspiring us to do the Violent Brothers, which eventually parlayed into the band I'm in now. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've always, I mean, anywhere, I've given Craig hats off in, in interviews and. And everything but I was when I was thinking about leading up to talking to you I was like you know what I've never actually thought about this but Fiona hasn't really graced too much leather upper stuff like I mean in terms of you know permanent albums except for that live at Vera in Groningen yeah. Holland yeah which was fairly recent I mean com- you know
1: yeah for sure
0: you know because they've been around since the early 90s so yeah but um wow yeah, it was. Uh, that's definitely a strong connection. Um, so yeah. Well, I mean, I just you know, I'm using these talks to just thank everybody individually and personally. And I'm not sure if you know the other illustrators involved in the project, but it was like Gary Dum, Mary Fleener, Gary Texalli. Um, I know
1: Gary and Mary Fleener. Yeah. And that's great that Gary was the connection.
0: Yeah, Gary. I think he was the one who. Slip me your email, um, but also I think Damien Abraham from Fucked Up mentioned you as well. I, I mean, if this this book isn't an, isn't an autobiography, but it also it it does mark my love with rock and roll music, and you know, like you being where you were in, in, in that time and place. I mean, you you have to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, but I th- have a feeling I, I have a worse memory than Lydia, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: it, it, it's okay it's okay I I, I remember I remember yeah. I'll, I'll I'll tell you I remember and you were at every leather upper show if I well everyone I was at pretty much yeah and is that a thing like is there like is there ever been like a local show where you're not there
1: yeah really yeah maybe my more often like in recent years but I don't think I ever missed a leather upper show back in fight. the day Yeah. And even because they're rarer now, I for sure wouldn't miss them. But yeah, uh, yeah, more recent bands, I might be like, ah, I'm going to sit with one. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Right. No, I I hear you. I hear you. But I will never forget what sealed the deal for me was when Craig broke a guitar, deliberately broke a guitar, Pete Townshend style, at the back of the Rivoli. And I'm thinking... My God, these guys are the first of three. Like hardly anyone's yeah. here. Like, why are they doing that? Yeah. <laughs> That's such a commitment. I mean, I loved it. Yeah. So, but it's not about Craig. It's about you. It's about your artwork. I love it. I'm so happy you're a part of this. Um, Me too. Uh, it, it just means so much. I can't wait to give you a copy of the book. I'm so glad it's on Farrell House, um, which is a, a favorite imprint of mine. Uh, It's got its stamp on it. It's got your stamp on it. Cool. Everybody who contributed, I'm so proud to be associated with and aligned with and to have, you know, on board uh, for different reasons, various reasons, you know? Um, So it's great. Well, thank you, Fiona, for doing this with me. It's perfect.
1: Hey, well, thank you.
0: That was my talk with Fiona Smith and, uh, it's so great to have Fiona be a part of my book and to collaborate with Fiona on this, so it's, it's great. And we move on to the next person on the podcast. Back in 2014, we were in the studio furiously working on what became our album, Fire Music. A lot of lay people think that recording a record is a nonstop jam session slash party where wild goings-on happen constantly, with spontaneous musical magic bursting through the speakers. No, nope, not this band. We walk into a studio very prepared, watching the clock, because not watching the clock means money down the drain. But even while doing so, there is a lot of downtime. Downtime to... surf the internet. And I found myself on Instagram doing just that when I stumbled on an illustration of Gene Simmons in demon makeup that absolutely floored me. It was a sci-fi, fantastic, mystical take on Jean that mirrored Kali, the Hindu goddess of death, with the tongue hanging out and the flames and the half-blissful smile. It was mesmerizing and harkened back to the time I originally got reeled into the band due to the wild illustrations by Ken Kelly and Michael Durrett on KISS albums like Destroyer, Love Gun, and Rock and Roll Over. I immediately set out to contact the artist, only to find out it was Juan Montoya, notable for being in the band Torch. Torch released an album called Meanderthal that I absolutely loved, and Juan's signature guitar is all over that one. So this guy was definitely on my wavelength. We struck up an online conversation, one thing led to another, and I bought an illustration of his, again, this one of Gene Simmons, but on the top of a mountain, against the moonlight, Torch in Hand. It was a magnificent piece of work that really paid respect to the demon character, more so, one can argue, than Gene does himself these days. And this piece hangs on the wall of my bedroom. Since then, I even commissioned him to do a personal illustration that that too hangs in my bedroom. So doing this book, asking illustrators to collaborate with me, I had to ask Juan. His name immediately came up and aptly his illustration accompanies my article on the R.Y.B. Color Wheel as it pertains to the 1978 Kiss solo albums by Araldo Caragatti. With the release of my book, I'm gathering all the illustrators to discuss the process and our relationship here on the podcast. When it comes to Juan and I, however, a lot of that talk was already recorded and covered back when he first appeared on the podcast episode 83, In 2014. But here's Juan again. It's great to catch up and chat with such a talented guy. He since toured with Killer Be Killed. He has his other bands, Stallone and Monstro, and follow him on Instagram under the handle Montoya Black Magic. Okay, here's my conversation with Juan Montoya. Man,
2: so. Tell me about how the, the how the book
0: came out. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was working on this book and it was going to be all these articles of from all these various rock magazines that I had written for over the last 10 years. And then I realized, well, if some of these have been reprinted, uh, have been printed already and reprinting it, you know, how do you, I don't want to, I don't want to sell someone the same thing twice. It's like, you know, remastering, Remastering records, you know, so I thought a great way to make it fresh and new again is to include illustrators, whether they reinterpret the the article or or just have an accompanying uh, illustration with it. So I reached out to you, of course, you were probably the first person I did reach out to. Um, Oh, man,
2: I'm flattered. Thank Yeah.
0: And uh, I think I gave you a few articles to choose from and you chose the uh the kiss color theory article which is i think my favorite article in the book and yeah man so i just wanted you a part of the part of the book project and it's great originally what i wanted was the illustrators to be just only in bands so you know your time in torch and stallone and you know all your other music projects Qualified you for that. So I reached out to you. I reached out to Valiant himself from Valiant 4. Yeah, he's great. Great Um, I reached out to Michelle away from Voivod. One of my heroes. Yeah. One of my heroes. Damien from Fucked Up. And so a couple other guys. I won't mention their names because, uh, you know, for various reasons, they couldn't do it. One guy said he was a little too too worried like scared to do it like intimidated to do it so i said no that's cool man i just thought you know you post stuff so i thought maybe it'd be cool but yeah so that was it and um then i realized that hey oh erie vaughn as well erie vaughn you know from sam hain and dan yes yeah so he's got an illustration in there um and then then you know i kind of thought well you know Let's try and see if we can get other people, you know, so I reached out to my friend Gary text Sally, and then I just threw, you know, a shot in the dark. I tried to get Gary Dumb uh, who illustrated for American Splendor with Harvey Pekar just as a long shot and he agreed. So he's part of it. And Mary Fleener from Slutburger Comics as a long shot and she agreed. So so then I expanded my, you know, who who could be a part of it but originally i wanted just band guys and so yeah definitely asked you first i th- it was i asked you i asked damien and i asked valiant himself and then once you guys all said yes then i started getting really like really uh excited about it and and then asked more people
2: yeah i just started brewing and the ball got rolling and and we're here i just saw the video of you opening your box and, and all your um, books are in it, and I could I could I could hear the excitement in your voice. The, it is so cool.
0: Yeah, your illustration's like right up at the top of the book. I think it's the third article of the book, so it's right there. Man, I can't wait to see it.
2: That yeah, is so cool.
0: I just since you know I got the box yesterday, so I'm going to be sending all the illustrators a copy of the book and and everything. So just give me a, give me a couple of weeks because it's a. a I'm not really good with mailouts, so just give me a couple of weeks to get to it. Take your time, buddy. I'll be <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, and it's coming out on Feral House Books and Feral House. You know, if you don't know the imprint offhand, you've heard of their books like uh, Lords of Chaos. Yeah, uh, Choosing Death on de- the Death the genre of death metal. Uh, they Great put out one. the Harley Flanagan hardcore book, the autobiography by Harley. They put that out. Um, And just a ton more of like really, they've always been like a really offbeat, bizarre, you know, weirdo kind of book company that I've always loved, you know. So definitely so happy that the book is associated with Feral House, that it's on Feral House. It's kind of like being on a really cool indie record label, you know?
2: Yeah, of course. Of course, and there's nothing better than cool underground books. I mean, I'm always looking for stores that you know underground bookstores. They're a little hard to find down here in Miami, but there's a really cool one in Fort Lauderdale, and that's where I find a lot of my you know art influenced books, like the Frank Rosetta books, like the Guido Crepax, and uh, a lot of the European erotic artists and
0: like uh, Manera, yeah. He's a favorite of mine.
2: Yeah, he's incredible. He's actually on Instagram now, so
0: no shit. What's his Instagram handle?
2: I think I think it's under his name. I mean, there's a bunch of people that use it, but you'll. I don't know if he's already. um, What do you call it when you certify your your
0: account? Okay.
2: But uh, he's he's in there. I'll I'll send it to you.
0: Yeah, Uh, Gary Dom, who wrote for American Splendor, I. uh, I re- I recently realized he wrote for real smut and real stuff. I don't know if you remember that comic book, Real Smut? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. That's funny. Yeah. That's really cool. Um are you going to like so basically, you know, how I how we met was you posted uh one of your illustrations on Instagram. And I saw it in a search, like the search page, and it was amazing and I was like, "Who who did this? This is amazing. I reached out to you. I realized who you were. And uh, that's how we made contact. And since then, you know, I've purchased I purchased this one illustration of Gene Simmons as the demon on this mountain, uh, you know, with the moon, the light of the moon behind him. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, and a bunch of bats flying
0: around, which is really cool. I actually got to show him
2: that and I brought up your name to him. And uh, and he loved the piece. And he said, you're a lucky guy to have
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then um, and then what else? There's uh, – oh, and then I commissioned you for a personal piece of art that you Which did. Which is really
2: cool, yeah. yeah for, that's like uh, a
0: personal piece that I don't think anybody has a – I don't think anybody – even friends don't even know that I commissioned you for a piece and – I think I posted it once. Or no, you posted it. I've never posted it. Yeah. 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 It was
2: cool. I mean, it was more personal to you. Yeah, it was, it was a really cool thing. It, it captured an essence of love and just night and mystery. So it was perfect.
0: And, uh, and then when it came time to do this book, you did a really cool, you know, I mean, your illustrations of Ace Freely, Gene Simmons, I mean, are incredible. Uh, it Thank actually, you. it actually inspired me to, you know, pick up a bunch of um, uh, sharpies. Uh, I was home with nothing to do a few years back, and your your Instagram uh, ha- um, profile, ins- what, looking at all the kiss stuff, just I started doodling like a bunch of kiss stuff, just so inspired by your work. Um, on kiss. And I think I, I posted a few weeks back. I posted one of the illustrations I did. Um, and, uh, I think after this chat, I'll send you the link, but it's, Oh yeah. It's a picture of Eddie from iron maiden from the, uh, live after death era, power slave era. And instead of iron maiden, I just put kiss in the iron maiden font. Um, (laughs) that's cool. Yeah. So Um, that was inspired by you, man. Like
2: Oh man, I'm honored, man. I just right. you know, there's you know a lot of people nowadays don't get how cool Kiss was in the beginning, and we talked about it on your podcast when we met. Yeah, and um, you know they had this cool mystique and, and dark imagery to them. Like when they were on stage, they were they were kind of playing with just minimal lights. There were still a lot of shadows on on the stage. You know, maybe one 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 spotlight to Paul Stanley but Gene was always lurking in the dark and then you could always see his blood you know when he when he did his thing i think they put the green spotlight on him and that's what what started it all man i'm like oh man this guy's a monster with a guitar man that's freaking cool and ace of course ace was kind of like the george harrison of the band the quiet yeah. guy cuz he didn't sing on songs in the early part yeah. but he did write songs and i always wondered what does this guy sound like you know before i knew that crazy laugh <laughs> but uh, but yeah, <laughs> but then uh, you know he he kind of reminded me of like a like a David Bowie because he was all like spaceman himself. But uh, David Bowie meets a kabuki, you know, a perf- opera performer, and uh, and he was just kind of like like Keith Richards and and you know George Harrison, like the cool guys that are not in spotlight, but they're out there kicking ass. And of course, ace of solos all the solos that you could sing in your head it's and super melodic. And, and sometimes even if the song's not that good, Ace's solo will kill me, you know, kill on it and, and make it a good song.
0: So, yeah. And, um, and a lot of people, when you talk about ACE freely and, and just the space aspect of it, a lot of people forget that around, you know, what's 74, the whole world was just getting over the man walking on the moon and pictures of the Earth from you know the big blue marble that they called earth this was This was still on the the tip of every uh, everybody in pop culture's tongues like we were still getting over the fact that we had gone to the moon, and I think space travel and space was just on everybody's minds, and eventually it it you know turned over to star wars and st- I think People forget that, like you said, because now we're just inundated by just sci-fi everywhere, you know?
2: Yeah. That's the cool thing. Kiss were kind of lo-fi. Yeah.
0: And and
2: their art was kind of cool, but still kind of lo-fi itself. It wasn't too sophisticated. It wasn't like as as, uh, sophisticated as the the Yes album covers or, you know, or um, Yellow... You know, not as glossy as that. It was. It was still kind of grimy, but colorful and trippy.
0: And uh, like you were saying, you know, with Gene Simmons being a demon, you know, we were kids when we when Kiss were were at the this era of Kiss. And I don't know about you, but we all used to wonder, like, about the blood. Is that his tongue? Is that a cow tongue? I I heard he cuts his tongue. I heard you know all kinds of crazy rumors about him.
2: Yeah, there's so many cool ones. I mean, they they, they said that he cut the little bottom part of your tongue underneath <laughs> yeah. the tongue, elongated. I don't know, man.
0: <laughs> That's so cool, and the fact that they never showed their faces in public added to that mystery you you mentioned. You know,
2: yeah, and it was and it was cool because you you wondered if these people were human, you
0: right? Know, they didn't
2: they didn't show up, you know. You know, I guess the bodyguard who's actually putting out a book, uh, Big John, Hmm. he uh, he he went up to photographers and he just took the film from them or and I know the reason why they 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 weren't on magazines, you know, without their makeup on. Like no one, no, no, um, what's it called? Paparazzi took photos of them because they kind of negotiated with uh, with the magazine, said they would give them exclusive scoops on stories if they would not throw in pictures of them without their makeup to see the mystique,
0: so that's got to be you know the, the the one player that gets overlooked in this whole thing is Bill O'Coin. That's probably Bill O'Coin, you know, or Neil Cass- uh, Neil Bogart. Neil
2: Bogart. Well, Neil was pretty much just the label, and uh, you know, I you know I think at first when they auditioned for for the label. They were kind of weirded out because these guys just looked crazy and they were too loud inside of like a rehearsal space so they were they were blown you know they were like maybe blown away but also weirded out at the same time you know but bill coin got him from the beginning and he knew for them to have a visual um you know attraction to everybody he you know he, th- he thought it was very important he came from tv that's, that's where, right. Uh, that's his right. his origins came from and he knew to put them on the the midnight special and which was the other one American Bandstand?
0: I I remember the midnight special one cuz that's on one of the uh, Kissologies. Yeah, Kiss-
2: and yeah, and, and there yeah, was in concert also which had the giant rainbow over them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And that that performance actually represented them really cool because there was low lighting. You know, I think there was a lot of blue lighting and Ace was in the blue lighting which looked cool. He looked like an alien himself, especially since he I don't know if he had eyebrows or just shaved them to put the makeup on. Mm. But he was kind of like pre-Marilyn Manson weirdo, super tall guy with boots, you know, which Kiss is definitely Marilyn Manson's like Alice Cooper and and Kiss are his main influences.
0: Speaking of Ace freely, you recently met Ace, am I right?
2: Well, I met him this is the third time I met him uh luckily a buddy of mine pj he works with kiss now he's in in charge of their merchandising and uh you know him and i have known each other since he was a young kid i knew his dad so he invited me out to a couple of shows in atlanta and i met him in atlanta and it was pretty exciting he also did one of those um those uh what do you call it? those festivals the um, the cons
0: oh the like kiss the Comic- cons yeah yeah he, he did one of those um, oh was- comic-con yeah, one not the Comic Con, but there's
2: one in Atlanta. I forgot the name of it. Okay, but it's like a it's you know horror movies and all that stuff. And there was Danny Trejo from Machete, <laughs> and uh, and Ace was there. And when I walked in, I could tell it was kind of late, later on. I, I went with Brent from Macedon, and uh, and no, I ran into him there. So we were there around the same time. And you know, I think Ace just like he said hello to too many people. He was kind of burnt out. But he yeah. saw that I was wearing an Elvira pin. And he goes, oh man, cool pin. And he noticed my shirt too. I was wearing a Sweet shirt, the band Sweet. And you know he's covered uh, Fox on the Run in one of his solo albums. So you know he kind of he kind of got me right away. So we talked a little bit, but it wasn't until this last time. Um, my friends at Walt Grace Vintage, which is a really cool um, gallery here in Wynwood, which they have vintage guitars all over the wall, but they also have like vintage Ferraris and Porsches on the main floor and the guy who runs it he's a super big kiss fan and he invited me to the event so i got to meet gene and ace um ace already met but this is the first time i actually got to hang out with him and gene was kind of he was kind of cool he saw me at first and he goes what band do you play in man and i'm like i played in monstro and he goes i know monstro you know what it was i know monstro and uh and i and i thank them for actually posting some of my artwork on the all the kids social medias so he goes oh anytime brother you know he was really nice to me and uh, you know he's she a, a dick to a lot of people you know mm-hmm. i think he puts up that front but underneath it i think he's a cool nerdy dude that loves comic books and rock and roll just like all of us S- and uh and he turned out to be really cool. You know, we hung out. He was eating on cookies and he was, <laughs> he was munching on cookies. And Ace was trying out the guitar that he was going to do for the performance that did. It was one of those vault experiences that Gene's uh, been promoting. So, yeah, go ahead. You were going a- to ask me something because I, I got a lot to tell you. <laughs> well,
0: well, you're a Gene guy and an Ace guy. Am I right? I, I mean, I'm okay. getting that vibe. I've always gotten that vibe from you.
2: Yeah, the Gene because he just looks so wicked. I mean, I think he was my favorite character.
0: Yeah, Kiss okay.
2: Kiss member character, Kiss member in the beginning, just because <clears throat> when you're young, you know, I loved I loved movies like King Kong, the 1977 King Kong, I loved a lot, and I loved The Shining, and and I also liked Conan the Barbarian. So you know, Gene had a, a mixture of all that stuff. You know his armor he looked like a barbarian you know and then his you know his his some of his grins look like jack you know like jack and the shining hmm. you know just like a wicked stare which was cool and uh you know and that's what i liked in the beginning and then but ace as the years went by and i became more you know more sophisticated musician i would hear his solos and i would be like man that guy's good I try to, you know, follow along with some of him in the song, you know, sometimes with some of his riffs on the songs. And he's just such an amazing guy. And, of course, later on, I kind of like I lean more towards Ace just because Gene at the time, he started kind of getting a little bit weird, you know, like in the media. (laughs) Yeah. saying weird shit. And I'm like, man, Ace doesn't say much. I'd rather have that, you know. Ace kept his mystique. I think that's why he's so popular now.
0: Well yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a Paul guy. I was originally, you know, like you, you know, when we we're all kids, we love the Demon. And uh as, you know, you grow up, you get older and you realize the behind you get to you get to hear the behind the scenes stories about Kiss when they when they want you to hear him. and I just started to really like Paul. Well, hell of a lot more than anyone else cuz he was there when nobody wanted to do it, you know, and he's just been very classy in the media you know on the other side of it he's been very graceful and uh yeah i'm a big team paul guy yeah
2: well you know what i love about paul's exactly everything you mentioned i mean he was the front man he, he uh he sang the majority of the songs and he just like he had an amazing movement he kept it, you know he kept himself in shape so it made you want to be like in shape you know yeah it's- of course, you know, you imagine, man, this guy gets all the girls, you know. So, yeah, he's he's definitely very cool. And, and of course, he stuck, you know, with the band when Gene was like, mm-hmm. like you just said, when Gene was uh, trying to get movie contracts at the time. And he's like, you know, there was a point where Kiss was sinking like the Titanic. And that's where uh, a lot of people, you know, they lost a lot of fans. But I, I maintain being a fan just because... They brought back. They brought so much joy when I first got to the United States, and you know, they they played music, and I think I might have learned, you know, a lot of my English through their lyrics.
0: <laughs> That's great, man.
2: <laughs> oh. I must have sound like an idiot going up to a girl. Hey, you want me to leave me in the ladies?
0: <laughs> exactly, or something stupid like that. But that, that was the only English I knew. <laughs> I can use a meal, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, that, that that's great, man. That's great. So, I mean, getting back to the to the book, and you know, we we are talking a lot about Kiss because, hey, you, your contribution is one of the two Kiss related uh, articles in the book. Um, so, it, it's definitely great to. To talk to you about KISS uh, and, you know, just to have you as, you know, part of the book. You've been part of the podcast. Now you're part of the book. You're kind of, man, I'm team one at this point. Uh, you know?
2: Likewise, man. I, I, every time I see you achieving some new feat and, and you know, having having success with your records, man, it's just like it's what you want to see for your friends. You know some people feel that it's a competitive thing or anything like that man i'm 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 happy when friends are doing great and and they're achieving their goals and especially in in a world that's you know rock and rolls having a hard time right now it's become' you know extremely underground yeah now absolutely you know? I'm and living I- in Miami. I'm living in Miami again i had I had to move out of Atlanta because I had a um, I had a little baby girl with with my with my girlfriend. Well, and congrats, uh, man! Thank you, man. And I came back down to Miami, and I'm spending time with her, and she's amazing in my life. But I definitely miss the rock and roll Atlanta lifestyle. You know, such a good city up there, Miami. I could, I, you know, everything's techno, everything's hip hop, which I don't mind. But I want a balance of everything, and it's just uh, I need my rock and roll.
0: When I when I look at all the illustrators who are part of this book, I, I feel very proud. It's a really cool like Justice League Avengers team of illustrators in my in my viewpoint. That you know, I, I really I'm a fan of every single one who's who's a part of this book. So it's great.
2: Yeah, man. Thank you. Oh, and another, another note, just to let you know what's going on with me recently. I um I just you know Mastodon put out a their Emperor of Sand, and they also included a co- um, a coloring book with it. So I filled it in and did my own wild design on top of it. So it's going to be a t shirt now. Uh, Braun uh, hit me up, and uh, I think the t shirt hopefully will be available for their Primus tour. So I'm excited to have one, some of my artwork on such an amazing tour. And uh, yeah, and also another thing I want to tell you I got to hear Ace release new record that's uh hasn't come out yet
0: we how'd you get that
2: i didn't get it he played it for me that day that's part of like the thing of the event while gene was busy doing the vaulting and handing out the the bolt i hung out with ace and the, and my friend bill from um Walt grace um vintage the shop and we were backstage and ace goes you guys want to hear my new record and we're like we looked at each other like hell yeah and it's actually really good man i'm excited to oh, for all of you guys to hear it
0: that's amazing <laughs> that as a kiss fan i understand what that moment means man
2: dude i hung out with him like the whole evening Wow! you know I, I gotta thank my buddy bill man he let me hang out and you know i didn't, i didn't turn off fanboy but we were just hanging out checking some of uh, bills like personal collection His guitars. He has a, um, you know, this really nice '58 Les Paul. I think it's '58, '59 Les Paul. And uh, Ace got to play it. I got to hold it. And uh, and you know, it was just, it was just a great day, man. I I needed that.
0: Wow, wow, that is cool, man. And hey, listen, I need a, I need to get that Mastodon shirt because Mastodon meets Juan Montoya is a collab that i can get behind
2: right on man definitely man yeah man congratulations man I'm, I'm very happy for you
0: thanks juan and thank you man thanks for doing this on such short notice too like it's great anytime brother thanks You're the best Michael. you too juan thanks man
2: have a great one man you Take too care, everybody
0: all right later signing out